0: I'm gonna try to get through thirteen and fourteen because it's one of those types of chapters, um, and Joshua fourteen is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why in a little bit. But um, Joshua thirteen and fourteen, Joshua thirteen, I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump around a few different places. I'm not gonna bother reading. All of the lands and areas that they uh, took that was given to them. You can read all that if you want to. But there are some things that are significant uh, surrounding that uh, that we'll go through. So let's just start in verse 1. When Joshua was old and well advanced in years, the Lord said to him, You are very old, and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. Um, One, you know, God kind of tells it like it is most times. (laughs) Um, You are very old. Uh, At this point, we guess Joshua's about 85 years old. Uh, And we know that because of what we'll read later in Joshua 14. Uh, But let's just suffice it to say, he's pretty old. Uh, And... um, uh, and God still has his hand on his life. God still has his call on his life. Uh, and th- there's, it's interesting when we look in Scripture, uh, most people that are used in the Bible are either really, really young or really, really old. There's not a lot of young, strapping 20, 30-year-olds necessarily. Uh, you know, it's it's not that they're not there. Obviously, Jesus was in his 30s in his public ministry. But um, God has a real unique way of using the things that this world would consider foolish to accomplish mighty things. And uh, He certainly has a way of using old people to do incredible things. Now, when we talk about being old, th- this isn't this isn't the old of Genesis or they were you know six hundred seven hundred or nine hundred years old. This is after all that, God's put a cap on on man's lives and the years of, of, of people. And so to be 85 is, is like it would be to be 85. It's just old. Um, and God affirms that. Joshua, you're old. But there's a lot of work still to be done. And I think we can learn a lot from that. One, that we're never too old to still be employed by God. We ought never, ever, ever think that I'm too old. I'm past my prime. Um, You're never too old to be employed by God. And uh, as I say that, Mark Thompson walks in the room. Um, (laughs) It's just, it's just like it's no, nobody, nobody gets an out because of age to do something for God. He's about 85 years old. Um, here, here's what I want us to understand about getting old. It's okay to retire from tasks. It's never okay to retire from a call or from a ministry. You, you can retire from a task, retire from duties, but never retire from God's call on your life. Uh, and all through the Bible, God uses people up until he takes them home uh, to be involved in ministry. Um, and the fact that God looks at Joshua He's well advanced in years. He's 85 years plus old. And God says there are still very large areas of land that has to be taking over. We've got a lot of work to do. And you don't get to tap out just because you're getting old, he tells him, I love the fact that implied in God's statement, I know you're old. There's still a lot for you to do. You still have a play in it. You still got a hand in this. You still have responsibility in this. I love the implication that uh, there's no satisfaction in a partial completion with God. It, 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 nowhere does God ever say, I asked you to do this much. You only got that much done. That's okay. There's no satisfaction in partial completion. When God says, I... Like what he told the disciples, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. To stop halfway because of a storm, was that wasn't kosher. You've got to complete the journey. And so I guess there's two things that could be... One could be um, scary. The other could be liberating. Um, when God gives you a task and says, this is what I have for your life... You're not going to die till that's done. So the good thing is, if God's given you a task, according to God's economy, you're invincible till you get it done. Drag your feet. Take as long as you can to do it. Um, however, if you're not employed in God's task, you've got no guarantee. <laughs> you better start getting employed for him. And it doesn't matter how old you are; you can retire from your job, fantastic. But you never retire from God's call. And so, just understand: if if you're at that place, and some of you are, where either by choice or by force (laughs) you have been retired, um, your next thought out of your in your head ought to be, "Okay, Lord, what next now for your kingdom?" Uh, You don't get a check out just because you're old. That's what it's all through the Bible. And so, and there's no satisfaction in partial completion or partial inheritance. Keep pressing, keep pushing. Um, That's verse 1. Verse 2, and all this land remains. And then they list all these regions of the Philistines, the Geshurites, all this stuff. So, I'm not going to read all that, like I said. I'm going to jump down to verse 6. As for all the inhabitants of the mountain regions from Lebanon uh, to these other places... God says, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. So God says, I'm going to drive them out. God says, I'm going to be responsible to move them. However, all through the Old Testament, they still come up against this issue we talked about last week where they have to do the physical work. Both of taming the land, of taking the land, of fighting the battles—like it's going to be God's hand that does it. We saw it in Jericho. We saw it in AI. We saw it with the five uh, kings uh, we, confederation. We saw it in the innumerable kings we just went through in 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 chapter twelve. God's the one that was doing it, but they had to they had to do the work of it. Um, and. Um, there was still work that the tribes had to individually go through to possess what God was gifting them. And, though, and and the lesson for us is though that though God wants to gift us all things, and though he's already won the battle against the evil one, there's still work we get to do and participate with him in this world, both for the kingdom and and, and to receive the blessings He would give to us. So we don't get a tap out. Because we're old, and we don't get to tap out and say, well, God, if you're going to do it, go ahead and do it. I'm going to sit here and wait with my hand out. Like, like we don't get to do either of those. Uh, Continue to be employed, continue to press on. If God's going to do things, it's going to be done through us. Um, And we get to participate with Him in that. Uh, Verse uh, 7 and 8. Divide uh, it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh, now, if you remember, there were two and a half tribes that stayed back and didn't cross the Jordan. Um, and so, verse 8, The other half of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites, had received the inheritance that Moses had given them east of the Jordan, as he, the servant of the Lord, had assigned it to them. Before the twelve tribes crossed the river, there were two and a half that wanted to stay back. They said, this is good enough. We've got enough of God's blessing and favor. We don't want to keep pressing on. We don't want to go over the land. And so two and a half tribes stayed back. Um, Interesting thing is, um, as we go through the land that was given to them, we come down to verse 13. And verse 13 says, But the Israelites did not drive out the people of Geshur and Maacah." So they continue to live among the Israelites to this day. They should have chased them all out. God says, I want you to do this. It, we, we always get in danger when we think we've done enough of what God has asked, but we haven't done all that God has asked. And so they didn't do all that God had asked. They did a lot of what God had asked. But in verse 13, the Israelites did not drive out the people of Geshur. Why is that important? Go to 2nd Samuel chapter 3 verse 3. This is a long time after this, but 2nd Samuel chapter 3 verse 3, they did not get rid of all the people from Gesher. Someone read chapter or 2nd Samuel 3 verse 3. They're talking about the sons of David. second chiliam of abigail the widow of nabal of am I in the right place mm-hmm. of carmel and the third Absalom, the son of Ma- Micah. Micah, Micah, i guess the daughter of talmai king of gesher okay now oh. pay attention now what's happened in second samuel 3 Verse 1, the war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul grew weak and weaker. So it lists these sons of David that were born to him. Sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon, son of, Jezre- of Je- uh, Hinnom of Jezreel. His second son, as Charlotte read, Kiliab from Abigail. The third son, Absalom, daughter of Talmai, king of Gesher. Who were the people back in Joshua 13 that they didn't chase out that they should have? Gesher. People of Gesher. Who was the one of the descendants of Gesher in David that was one of David's sons? Absalom. Absalom. Wow. What's the story of David and Absalom? Not good. Not good. Not good. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> A lot of conflict. Tried to take over, didn't he? A lot of conflict um, when when D- david um, was was in danger of being overthrown, his kingdom being overthrown by one of his errant sons, what son was it absalom Absalom tried to rend the kingdom out of David's hands because of the conflict between the two, did horrific things to David and uh, his his people. Uh, And David was on the run for a long time. David loved Absalom, loved him. Absalom did not return the affection. Uh, And Absalom is in David's life, because apparently the people when God said get rid of them they, they did a lot of what God asked but they didn't do all that God asked. The lesson is this for us. The results of believing undone what God says to get done can be devastating. And when God says I want you to rid your life of he doesn't mean most of the time, <laughs> he doesn't mean keep your little pet stuff. It's, you know, it's not a big deal. He means clean it, up. clean it up. And all the little demon seeds we leave in our lives grow up to be devils in our lives. Um, and, and so it's important that we realize that. When God when God gives it, God God is not one. There's a lot of mercy and grace here, but he did not want to be trifled with. And when he says, "I want you to do this," he means, "I want you to do it." I just like think that's interesting. Let's not let these little things slip by us; they're important. Uh, verse 14. But to the tribe of Levi, he gave no inheritance. Since the offerings made by fire to the Lord, the God of Israel, are their inheritance as he promised them. Uh, He's giving every tribe. uh, Joshua's giving every tribe the allotment that God has chosen for them. Um, Except the Levites. The tribe of Levi gets nothing. And then, I'm not going to read the rest of this, except I'm going to go down to the very last verse of chapter 13. So we see in verse 14... The tribe of Levi got no inheritance. The offerings made by fire to the Lord, the God of Israel. That's their inheritance as he promised them. Verse 33, the last verse. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord, the God of Israel, is their inheritance as he promised them. So so the Levites are given no territory. They're given no land as far as the tribe is concerned. They're given certain cities. And I think in all there's... I don't know, 30 something cities that they're given in all of the land. But they're told, we don't, God's saying, look, you're my priests. I don't want you congregated in one area. I want you spreading out. Uh, someone has said that, uh, that Christians are a lot like manure. When we spread out, we do a lot of good. But when we all stick together, we stink. Uh, and, and so the idea is God wants his priests spread out. To go, don't 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 get all settled in one spot. You don't do anybody good in a little holy huddles. And so he didn't give them one area as their tribal land. He said you get a bunch of cities in all the tribe in all the areas. Um, and not only that, he said your inheritance is not land. God said your inheritance is what? Yeah. God says, you don't need land as your inheritance. I'm the God of all land. You get me as your inheritance. Don't don't think that what you can grab and hold and touch is better than the one who gives you a hand that can grab, hold, and touch. I I get to be your inheritance. And, And when I look at this in Joshua 13, here's what I think. I think Christians... Are more like the tribe of Levi than any of the other tribes. Here's why. Um, because one is because First Peter two five or 2, uh, 2, 5, you are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, and so so God says, "Look, you now, you you Christ followers, you are my priests." And so we're most like the tribe of Levi. Why? Because the tribe of Levi was the Levitical tribe. It was the priestly tribe. And God says, I've taken that priestly tribe and I've transferred that right and responsibility onto all you who believe in my son. Now you are priests of God most high. So part of that is, let's not just conglomerate in our own little little holy huddles because we start stinking stuff up we're made to go out into all the world right Go to all the world and make disciples and, and and so we're most like the tribe of Leah because we're the, we are now the priests and secondly our inheritance is god himself uh, colossians 1 12 and first peter 1 3 and 4 our inheritance is god is christ co-heirs with God, or, or heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, we inherit all of the blessings that God wants to bestow on. It's ours. And, and so, when I look at these, at these tribal designations and what they get, I, I think we ought to resonate with the tribe of Levi. We are priests, and our inheritance is God himself. Uh, So whatever else he wants to bestow upon us is just, as my dad said when he came back from Vietnam, every day after after Vietnam is gravy. Mm -hmm. It's just the extra. And that's how we should view everything else in this world. I'm a priest and my inheritance is God. So whatever else is just just gravy. It's just gravy. I have a question. Yes, sir. I read where Mary, Came out of the tribe of Levi, but Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Mm -hmm. How could that be? What do you mean? How could that be? Jesus came from Mary. How could they come? How how could Joseph was from the tribe of Judah, and the lineage follows the male, the the man. Now, Mm -hmm. now, in when Matthew is giving the lineage of Jesus. It will follow the man. When Luke gives the lineage of Jesus, that's when we read about Rahab and Mary and uh, yeah, and, and so because Luke was more concerned. In any time, there's a story that highlights a woman. It's in the book of Luke. Matthew was concerned with the with the Jewish royal line. Luke was concerned with concerned with the human line. There are, you asked if Luke was Greek. That's a, a hotly contested theory. Some people say he was Greek, a non-Jew. Some people say he was a Hellenist Jew. Um, and and there's, there's great debate about that. So. Alright, so here I want to get to verse, uh, chapter 14. Chapter 14. Uh, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. Now, these are the that the Israelites received as an inheritance in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua, son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal land, clans of Israel allotted to them. Verse 2. Their inheritances were assigned by lot to the nine and a half tribes as the Lord had commanded through Moses. So, this is the, the, the nine and a half tribes. Remember, because there were two and a half that were already given land that didn't cross Jordan. Uh, so, these are the other nine and a half tribes. A couple things. Their inheritance were assigned by Lot. Now, we talked about Lot. Was that last time we talked about Lot? The last time Lot was used in the Bible was in Matthew 1 when they chose uh, Matthias to take over for for Judas. Uh, And God never told them to. They just assumed this was what they were supposed to do. Uh, Because in the Old Testament, I think in the Psalms, it says one will fall away and one will take its place. So they assumed it was their job to pick who was going to take over for Judas. And they cast lots and it fell on Matthias. And it's the last we ever hear, hear of Matthias. That's all in, in in Acts one. Right after Acts one comes what? Acts two. Acts two. Acts two. And and, uh, and what happens in Acts two? They refer to Acts one. They refer to yeah. The Holy Spirit comes in Acts two, and after the Holy Spirit comes, there's no reason for lots anymore. The last thing that that lots did, casting lots, the rolling the dice. Last thing that rolling the dice did was pick Matthias, which was the wrong choice. Oh. After the Holy Spirit came, then we realize that Paul will say himself, I am chosen by God Himself, not by man, as the apostle of Christ, not the apostle of the church, not the apostle of man, the apostle of Christ himself. He was the one that should have taken over for Matthias. And and and, and so after the Holy Spirit, we don't rely on on rolling the dice. But before the Holy Spirit, this is how things went down. And so, and the Bible says in Proverbs 16.33, I think it is, uh, that uh, man casts the dice, but God determines its role. And so, and so this was the way they did it. So by casting lots, they were still under the control of God's hand. And so they, uh, these inheritance are assigned by lot to the nine-half tribes as the Lord commanded through Moses... Here's what we need to understand. Uh, That we must also accept the lot that God has chosen for us. Um, As you look, if you were to do a deep dive into the lands of all the tribes got, some would get more, some would get less. Some get soil that's like this, other soil like that. Some is mountainous, some is regional, some is coastal, whatever. Um, apparently God chose it for them and they better learn to be content with the lot God chose for them. Right? So it's very, very anti-American. <laughs> because all we see is what someone else has and thinks I deserve what they have. I want what they have and I'm going to call on God to give me what they have. Rather than saying, okay, Lord, I, it's not that I've been irresponsible. If I've been irresponsible, then you know, I'm to blame. But if i have not been irresponsible and this is what you've given me, I'm going to be happy that you chose to give me this. Regardless. Um, and so, they under, I think they understood that and they t- stepped into the lands that they were allotted and they worked the lands that they were allotted to receive the inheritance that God had already secured for them. Here's why chapter 14 is my favorite. Verse 6. now, the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kinezite, and said to him, So this is Caleb talking to Joshua. Why are those two important? Two good spies. They were the two good ones when they originally, when the, when, when, uh, the spies set out to view the land in Numbers 14. Caleb says to Joshua, You know, what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about me and you. So he's reminding him of something that happened 45 years earlier. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought back, I brought him back a report according to my convictions. And, and he's saying, you, you, we did this to, you know what I'm talking about. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. Remember, they brought the... So all the people that are big, we even saw the descendants of Anak there. Yeah. Like, we can't take him. I, however, Caleb says, follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So he said, listen, you remember what God said. I was faithful, and I said we could take all that land where those giants are. My feet walked on that land, and God told Moses, that's mine. He's 85 years old. Watch this. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. That's why I think Joshua was 85 years old. They're about the same age because they're about the same age when they went in as spies. Okay, verse eleven. <laughs> I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. What a freaking stud! <laughs> <laughs> Talk about some chutzpah, man. This guy's got brass. Yeah, he's just, he's awesome. This is where we got the name of our firstborn son, Caleb, from, from this passage. This is why. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that who's there? What was the thing that scared them away 45 years earlier? The giants, this descendants of Anak, mm-hmm. who's still there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> some, some of them. The giants yeah. are still in the land, mm-hmm. and it's if Caleb's saying, "I've been waiting 45 years <laughs> for somebody to cut me loose because I got unfinished business." <laughs> There's no retirement from the call of God. No matter how old we are. Why? Because it's not us doing it. I heard the Anakids. You know, they're still there. They were there and their cities are large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. This. I absolutely love this. He said, look, God told me and you back then that this land was ours. And then people got scared and hightailed it and ran. I've never let go of God's promise. And I'm not backing off it now that I'm 85 years old. God has kept me alive because his promise has not been fulfilled to me yet, and he has to fulfill his promise before he releases me, and this is still my job. I'm as vigorous now, as strong and vigorous now as I was when I was forty. Just give me the hill country. Here's a, Caleb could have asked Joshua for any of the land he wanted. He had he had that type of authority and that type of pull. He's 85. He's ready to go to the coast and fly a kite and drink some good wine. And he's ready to, you know, go to the cabin in Tahoe and just enjoy his sunset years. Right? I mean, like we, if he asked us, okay, we're in the land. Where do you want to go? Heck, when we we'd probably yeah, right, yeah give me, give me Cambria, that'd be nice. That'd be all right, you know. Give me. And and Caleb says, no, you know exactly where I want to go. They still got giants up there. the The crazy thing to me is there's nobody else asking for the giants. <laughs> there's nobody else. And it's like guy, yeah. It, I will do what nobody else wants to do. I don't have a problem with that. 85 years old. <laughs> Give me the hill country. You know the Anakites are still there. I'll drive them out. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Verse 15 in parentheses, Hebron used to be called Kirith Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from the world. Look at this. <clears throat> Joshua says, Caleb, I'm going to give you Hebron. Do you know what the, Hebron means, literally translated, fellowship with God? I'm going to give you hmm. fellowship with God. Why? Because you... Stepped into Kirith Arba. What's Kirath Arba mean? Kirith Arba means the great, large, loud city. That's where the giants are. So because Caleb was willing to step into the large, loud city of giants, what he walked out of was fellowship with God. He stepped into the land of Kiriath Arba. That's what it used to be called. After Caleb stepped into that, the loud, large city of giants, what he walked out of was fellowship with God. Caleb wanted the challenge because he knew that it's only the challenge that I will maintain fellowship with God. Why? Because when I'm retired at Cambria or in my cabin at Tahoe, I don't have to fellowship with God because it's all easy. So give me the giants because I know it's only by the fight that I stay on my knees in fellowship with God. He had to have the giants because he knew the danger when there's no more spiritual battle when I don't engage in it anymore, when I don't risk, when I don't step out and agree to do what no other person who should be doing it is choosing to do. Now, here's where this whole story began. Go back to Numbers 14. This this is the beginning of the story. And this is one of the reasons why Sean and I named our son Caleb. Because this is who I wanted to be like. And this is why we gave Wyatt the middle name Joshua. Because of these two. We thought it was too cutesy for a pastor to name their kid Joshua and Caleb. So we had to kind of change it around a little bit. But You were right. But yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, just as a side note, I wanted to name our two boys, Caleb and Wyatt. Um, Thor and Otto, because I thought that would be awesome. And Thor is almost rock backwards. Um, and Otto was just awesome. But um, then you would have had to still been Hans. But then, then, but then, um, my wife said, "There's no way on God's green earth we're going to name our kids Otto and Thor." Which I think would have been fantastic if we did. So, anyway, verse six and following to nine. Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, uh, tore their clothes and said the entire Israelite assembly, the land we pass through is, and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will, what's it say? Swallow, swallow. swallow them up. Swallow them up, devour them. We will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us, do not be afraid of them. Right? Mm-hmm. We will swallow them up. We will devour them. Um, um, there's another place where it talks about them being, they are food for our souls. This, That's um, what mine says. Yeah. It well, is well, actually bread. it says bread. Bread. for yeah, Right. So, so that another translation says they're bread for their bread for us, their food for us. Um, so, so, so he, here's, here's how I, here's how I put this whole thing together. Joshua and Caleb, and certainly it's fleshed out more in, uh, in, in, uh, Joshua 14 with Caleb, um, knows that it's, it's, it's by the struggle that I have fellowship. It's by the battle that I engage in that I have fellowship. That's why the land Kirath Arba was turned, changed to Hebron. The land of noisy giants was turned to fellowship. Because I engaged in a the battle there. And it's only in the battle that I have fellowship with God. And every one of us knows that. When life comes up against it, and all of a sudden we're in a battle that's bigger than us, we're driven right to our knees in fellowship with God, Right? <clears throat> They knew it in Numbers 14. We will swallow. They are bread for our souls. They're br- let's let that sink in. They are bread for our souls. Because it is in the battle with the giants that we have fellowship, right? They said it in Numbers 14. Caleb reiterated it in Joshua 14. They're bread for our souls. It keep, the giants keep me in fellowship. They're bread for our souls. When the disciples asked Jesus to, how to pray, and Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily yeah. bread. Give us this day our daily We've always read that, From the mindset of give me my provisions that I need to be able to survive and thrive today. Joshua and Caleb understood they needed bread of a different kind. They needed the bread of the giants. They needed the bread of the struggle. They needed the bread of the battle because the battle would be the bread for their soul that would keep them in fellowship with God. Just think about that prayer differently. God, give me enough battle today that will make me stay in fellowship with you. Give me one giant today that will make me fight on my knees in prayer. Give me a struggle today that will be my daily bread that will keep me. On my knees in prayer, in meditation, in study, before your throne, imploring your hand. Don't give me my bread today that's going to allow me to walk through my day without issue and trouble. Give me my bread today that will be enough struggle that will keep me on my knees. That's what I need. Because it's in the struggle I live in Hebron. Fellowship with God. Yeah. You get it? Yeah. So, here's the challenge. <laughs> yeah, you don't like that part? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not praying though. <laughs> I'm not praying though. Because, but what did they know? They knew. That it's when I'm in on my in fellowship that's the only place of safety. That's the only place where I'm okay. You, 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 you want to match it up still further? Go to Psalm ninety-one. Psalm ninety begins with um, Psalm Psalm ninety-one begins with this plea uh, to be. In the secret place with El Elyon, the most high and exalted God. It starts like this. It says, I dwell in your secret place, O God. What it means is this. I live in the presence of prayer and fellowship with the most high. It's, it, it's to, to, to dwell in the this, this secret place. That's a word that's used only of worship. It's the secret place of prayer and fellowship. And what the psalmist is saying is that when I am in the place of prayer and fellowship of the Most High, the next phrase out of his mouth in Psalm 91 is uh, that I may dwell under the shadow of El Shaddai, which means my sustainer. So here's what he's saying. When I'm in the secret place of worship and prayer of God Most High, that's when I live under the shelter of the sustaining God. What keeps us in worship and prayer? The challenge, not the prosperity. And so when we stay in the secret place of worship and prayer, of God most high, he covers us with the shadow of his wings, El Shaddai, our sustainer. And the thing that keeps us in that place, sheltered, is to step into the battle of our daily bread. You understand? Mm-hmm. We just think about it backwards that all the time. Yes, so countercultural. It's so yeah, it's so counterintuitive, Man. and it's counter to most everything that we're taught. And so and it's just a different way of looking at this. Where you take some scripture, those scriptures. I wonder if we can look at things differently. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder if we can look. And I'm not saying don't pray for protection, don't pray for covering, <laughs> don't pray for blessing. I'm just saying don't do that. Do all of that. But just understand, when you face the giants, it's intended to drive you to your knees before him to stay in that place of fellowship. Because it's only in that place of worship and fellowship that you're covered by the wings of your sustainer. And so you can look at those giants differently. How is your Caleb handling all this? <laughs> That's a heavy, heavy load for him. Uh, my Caleb, praise be to God. Is one who has learned somehow in his young years to be faithful and to rely on God's lot for his life, regardless. And he was that when he was in elementary school. Um, I remember one time he got taken out in football; I had to take him to the emergency room. Um, it was right the first game of the season, and he said, "That's okay." If this is what God wants for me, it's got to be the best. So I'm fine, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way He's wow. been. This, so I'm thankful we named him Caleb and not, you know, uh, Richard Otto. No, <laughs> Otto or four. Yeah, that'd have been a different story. Aww. So I don't know. He, I mean, he, you know, he's he's like everybody else. He's a sinful man, and he has to stay repentant and the jury's still out on him. We'll see what he's like when he's 85. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway. Any thoughts, ideas, cries, shouts of outrage? Uh, That's why that that passage is one of my favorite favorite chapters. Carl? Yes? How do you pray that you are facing the challenges, accepting the right challenges, so that you are not in constant turmoil, but you are <clears throat> then praying for guidance that you are taking the right step with the challenges that you are facing. Did that just go into No, trouble? that's a good question. It, it kind of did for me. I'm not sure I'm understanding. Well, in general, then, how do you know uh, the challenges that, the bread that you're supposed to choose each day or accept, how do you know that it's the challenge for you to grow, grow your fellowship. Uh I if I'm understanding correctly, some challenges you don't choose. Some challenges choose you. <laughs> uh, and whether you've chosen them or they chose you, just follow that prayer through Give us a dare daily bread. <clears throat> Forgive us our debtors so we have forgiven uh, as we also have forgiven. Forgive us our debts so we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil and flies the kingdom power of glory forever that whole thing starts with our father heart in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so I, I think part of it is putting ourselves in a position to say, okay, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. I, I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to resist the evil one. I'm going to trust that he flees from you. So whatever you allow to come to me, your will be done. This is my desire. This is my prayer. I'm still asking that you intervene. I'm still asking that you move. I'm still asking that you change things. But at the end of the day, I'm going to trust that your will is going to be done. Um, And I'm going to try to learn the secret of being content, whether with plenty or with little, healed or sick. I mean I'm just trying to put things together that allows the person to live in the midst of a battle in a way that's consistent with scripture and a way that honors his sovereignty rather than our desire. I don't know I I, I it, it's hard for me to, to understand exactly what you're no. asking so I'm tr- I'm trying to talk around it. No, you did. You talked to it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. We can talk later if you want. That's that was the a- Perfectly well-rounded <laughs> so, okay. 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 All right. All right. Who's going to pray for us? Scott, you want to pray for us? The one here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a giant. <laughs> the only one of the three prayers that have yeah. regularly prayed. I'm going to interpret that for you. So, yeah. All right.